In the name of the transfigured Christ, amen. Please be seated. A few weeks ago, I had the most wonderful adventure. I was with eight of my closest friends. We're seminary friends, so that means seven of us are clergy. So you can imagine what kind of fun that might be. We decided that on this particular day, we were going to gather up a cooler of food and water and head to Joshua Tree National Park. Now, this is one place that is not on my bucket list. I never imagined I would go there. If I'm being really honest, um, I always just thought Joshua Tree was the name of a U2 album. Nevertheless, um, everything that happened that day was completely unexpected. As we drove into the park, I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the extraordinary beauty. It is truly like nothing I have ever seen. And if you've been there, then you know. If you've not been, I would like for you for a moment to imagine a grand and vast desert with these huge, enormous rock formations dotting the landscape. Now, as we drove through the park, we decided to stop for our picnic. And now I am terrified of heights. I'm standing on a stool, and it's terrifying for me right now. Uh, I don't sleep in bunk beds. I cannot stand heights. And yet, as we ate our picnic, surrounded by these beautiful rocks, there were a few of us who just could not help ourselves, and we began to climb them higher and higher, finding some solid ground on precarious rock and staring across the desert. We decided on a short hike from one rock formation to another. And a few of us, <clears throat> present company included, decided this was the perfect time for a deep conversation. We were busy extolling the virtues of our ideas. I was busy extolling the virtues of my ideas over someone else's. And all of a sudden, I noticed that some of our friends had stopped moving and talking. Shh. They said, be quiet, listen. And that was when I heard it, this silence, deep silence, a silence like nothing I have heard in my entire life. I've not forgotten it. It stays with me. It is this holy glimpse of God's glory, a sign of God's presence with us. And so over these last few weeks, I've been asking myself the question, what am I missing? 
wrapped up in my own diversions and conversations and the endless thinking that happens, do I see and hear what is all around me? I wonder if I could find a similar moment of stillness in the midst of my regular daily life. I mean, noise-canceling headphones help. It's not the same. Today's gospel is known as Jesus' transfiguration. All, well, the three gospels we know well, or that I know well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell this story of Peter, James, and John going up a mountain with Jesus and witnessing something that they had never seen before and that changed everything. Jesus revealed in his full glory this full revelation of his authority as God's son. Every time I read it, I wonder about the experiences we have where someone is transformed or transfigured right in front of you. It happens to me regularly with my children. One moment I'm standing talking to my child, and the next literal second, He's approximately six inches taller and more and more like the young man he's becoming. I also remember every time we read this story, a moment that I had with a homeless man. I sat down with him across the table to have breakfast with all of my assumptions about who he was and what his life was like. And then he began to tell me, and he was changed before me into more of who God had made him to be, not who I maybe wanted him to be. Now, of course, these are human experiences, but what about divine revelation? How are we witnesses of Christ's glory in our own lives? Now, there are a lot of mysteries in today's gospel, and I always have a lot of questions but what matters is that Peter seems to know that something important is happening. But the gospel doesn't really tell us what he or James or John know. And I feel the same way. Something important has happened in this story, but I don't really fully understand it. And then the story continues. James, Peter, James, and John come down the mountain and into a crisis. It seems that Jesus' transfiguration will continue with the healing of a boy. Now, I, I encourage you, invite you, go home today in your copious amounts of free time and find a space of silence and open up the three Gospels and compare the three tellings of this story you will notice a lot of differences, some of them big, some of them very subtle. But there is one difference that matters most to me, and it is this sentence. The father looks at Jesus and says, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. Look at him. He is my only child. In Matthew, the father says, have mercy on my son. In Mark, the father says, I brought you my son. But in today's gospel, 
The father begs, look at my son. Now, this is important in Luke's gospel. The word look, I've had to practice that, the word look in Luke's gospel matters. You see, when they're on the mountaintop, the disciples see Moses and Elijah, and they see Jesus' glory. And now the father says, look at my son. And what what happens next reveals this stark difference between Jesus and his disciples. The disciples are witnesses on the mountain and yet completely unable to articulate any kind of response by their actions or their words. But Jesus sees the boy. He responds with his words and his actions. Here is the challenge of discipleship, this tension that exists between seeing and doing. As witnesses of Christ's glory, Peter, James, and John see and hear the authority of the Christ, the Messiah, and yet their ministry is stunted. They seem ill-equipped or not quite ready to fully enact their ministry. That's relatable. And we have a glimpse here of Jesus' frustration with them. He calls them faithless and perverse. That feels a little dramatic. But what matters most is that Jesus does more than look. He does what the disciples cannot do. His love and mercy and grace heal the boy. The distinction between the disciples' silence. Peter, fumbling around, half asleep, talking about building three dwelling places or tents or cabins or whatever he has in his mind, that comes to naught. And they come down the mountain and they tell no one what they've seen. But Jesus listens, witnesses, and acts. How can we be more like Jesus? How can we listen, witness, and act? Do we experience the holy in our lives? Can we articulate God's presence? And how do these moments change us? What happens next? A few weeks ago, our deacon, and I warned her that I was going to point to her sermon, so she knew this was coming eventually, Deb Cooper reflected in her sermon on the gospel, her ministry, and a particular experience. She shared a story of ministering with the Afghan refugees. Now, if you sit with Deb or any member, and there are many here in the room, of our Afghan refugee resettlement team, it's just a fancy title for people who are ministering with real people from Afghanistan who live in our community. If you sit with them, you would hear many stories. They have experienced and continue to experience great joy and success. And there have also been and continue to be many barriers. 
facing the realities of refugees is joyful, strong, hard work. And over the last few days, many of us have seen and heard the suffering of those in the Ukraine. I'm beginning to hear stories of their refugees. And personally, I have begun to feel overwhelmed, fumbling around in my sleepiness, wondering what I can do, how can I respond. You see, the tension of discipleship, you see it exists between our witness and our action. If we seek Christ, we will find him. And then, what next? How will we serve Christ and the people we meet and in our world? Today's gospel gives us a subtle nudge, a reminder that the grace, mercy, and love of Christ is all we need. Jesus' life is the divine authority in our lives. We, each one of us, are witnesses of his glory. And this glory, his glory, compels us to see, to look at the suffering brought before us, and to respond. And Christ gives us the best response to every suffering. Acts of healing. Our call, our vocation as disciples of Christ is not to be silent. Instead, we must find ways to articulate God's redemptive work and presence in the world. Our ministry, each one of us, is the strong, hard work of loving God and our neighbors with our whole lives. Our witness is Christ's mercy, grace, and love in our own lives. Now, I don't know what unexpected thing is going to happen today or tomorrow, next week or next year. I've taken on the habit of saying, well, I didn't know that was going to happen today. But I do know that if I pay attention, even if it's only for a moment, I will witness God's glory. If I seek Christ, I will find him. And so I pray that my witness will compel me to look with the eyes of Christ at the world around me. To be compelled to respond to what I see with Christ's voice lingering in my ears to be driven to respond with Christ's grace, mercy, and love.